0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, Midtown family. Uh, so glad that y'all have made this a priority to gather together. I you know we eagerly await the day when we can meet face to face in person again, uh, but grateful that we have this technology to be able to be together as well. Um, if you are new to Midtown, I do see there's a few new people here this morning. Let me introduce myself. My name Justin. I serve as the associate pastor here at Midtown. I especially want to welcome students. We know that some students are coming back now as UT classes get underway here shortly. And so we do uh, welcome you students, especially. Um, we're continuing our series right now. We're doing a series called the B-I-B-L-E. Is that the book for me? <laughs> kind of got a little rhyme there. But really, the idea is that we're talking about the, the Bible itself, and this is really related to our church-wide goal, if you've been in Midtown, you know that every September, that's kind of how we do our ministry year, September to August, and so this last year, our, our church-wide goal was that we would develop healthy spiritual habits, and so we've tried throughout the year to keep that in front of us, and this is kind of our last thing that we're doing here before we start a new year in September to remind us again the importance of the Bible. And let me tell you what the goal of the series is. It's a, it's a little bit different. The things that we're teaching in the series are a little different than what we normally do. Normally, we just kind of teach through a book of the Bible, but now we're actually talking using the Bible to talk about the Bible. But here's why. Uh, we really want our church to grow in their confidence, their confidence that when they're reading their Bible, they're reading God's actual word. And we want you then, as you grow in your confidence, to grow in your desire to spend time. To study, to meditate, to memorize, to discuss with your friends this rich book that we believe is God's word. And if you haven't been here, uh, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast because probably more than our previous series, these kind of stack upon each other. They kind of we did the first week was more just on um, how do we get the Bible, and Jake did a great job emphasizing that the Bible doesn't wasn't what created Christianity. Christianity was started by a historic event when Jesus rose from the dead, when Jesus rose from the dead, then the movement started. And that's when the letters of the New Testament began to be written as they documented these historical things that had happened in their lifetime. And then last week, we Jake talked about the uh, reason we can trust the New Testament and why it wasn't just a legend, but there were all these evidences for, for this being a very accurate, timely document that we can believe. And so it's really upon those two things that I'm building my argument today as we talk about the question of how uh, reliable is the Old Testament? So, we're starting with a standpoint that's saying Jesus rose from the dead. And those who wrote about his life after he rose from the dead gave us accurate documents of what Jesus said. And I'll give you a spoiler alert the reason that we can believe the Old Testament is because Jesus did. The way that Jesus spoke of and the way that Jesus interacted with the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, that's our confidence to believe. Now there's other reasons, but today I'm going to talk to you primarily from that standpoint that we can believe this because if the New Testament's accurate, the things that Jesus said pointed to his trust and faith in the Old Testament himself. Now admittedly, I'll say uh, this sermon is a little bit more academic than some of our others, but it's really important because it, it sets the framework, the framework by which we teach the Bible every Sunday, both the Old and the New Testaments we teach throughout the year. And that's why this is so important to talk about this subject. And I'll give you a little break. Uh, When I was studying it, I actually came up with 14 reasons why we should believe, but I'm only going to do five. (laughs) So you've got got that going for you. And uh, as a side note, I would invite you next Sunday, we're going to conclude the series in the morning. And then at night, we're going to have a time for just Q&A around the Bible. So maybe then we can get into some of those other things that we can't pack into this time today. But let me start by giving us five reasons are five ways that Jesus treated the Old Testament that should give us confidence to believe in the reliability of the Old Testament. The first is that Jesus studied the Old Testament and he used its teachings. So we know this, right? Jesus grew up as a Jewish boy. He was taught the Jewish scriptures. He would have participated in Shabbat and Passover and all the religious festivals. And while we don't have a whole lot in the Bible about Jesus' actual upbringing, what we do have is this little picture that they give us in the Gospel of Luke. When we hear about Jesus and his families, were taking this annual pilgrimage to Passover in Jerusalem, and they would travel in a pack. And if you were familiar with the story, they actually leave Jesus behind. And so we'll we'll pick it up here in Luke uh, chapter two. It says, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So even as a young boy, 12 years old, Jesus was listening to, teaching from the Old Testament. He was asking questions and learning from others. And you see from the text there, he was actually answering others, answering questions too, because it says people are amazed at his answers. So even as a young boy, he was believing in the authority and studying the Old Testament. In fact, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four Books that tell of Jesus' life, you'll see that he quotes from the Old Testament fourteen times, or from 14, not more than fourteen times, but from fourteen different books of the Bible. And beyond just quoting from books, he makes references, which we'll talk about in a minute, to many other books in the Old Testament. So Jesus spoke about it, and he used it in his life personally, and he used it in his teaching. Let me just give you one example that I find pretty compelling. It's uh, found in Mark uh, chapter seven. He used Scripture in his understanding of scripture to actually correct religious leaders and their misunderstanding. In Mark seven, verse five, it says, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating defiled food with their hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are merely human rules. you have let let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. So when Jesus is confronting these religious leaders and the question that they ask, he goes to a scripture that he obviously had memorized. He goes to Isaiah and he says to them that they have been, like Isaiah prophesied, people whose hearts are far from him that only honor him with their lips. You'll notice, too, that Jesus actually said it was Isaiah, which is another important thing to note, that Jesus believed that this this scroll that Isaiah wrote, this uh, book of the Bible that we have, was actually written by Isaiah. And he goes to it and he says, here's how I'm going to correct you guys. And notice, too, what what he calls God's word. He says, Isaiah said it, but then twice he says, you've let go the commands of God. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God. So Jesus says both it's Isaiah that wrote it, but he's also saying there's a command of God. Jesus saw the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, as the word of God, the commands of God. That's how he says it right there. So the first reason why I think we should believe that the Old Testament is reliable is because Jesus used it. Jesus believed it, and Jesus taught it. Second reason why I think we should believe it is because Jesus believed the Old Testament was historically accurate. We know that Jesus believed this because of the way that he spoke about the people and the events in the Old Testament. I said that he quoted from 14 different books of the Old Testament, but he actually made reference to many more books of the Bible. And he spoke about people as if they were real people that existed in history. And he spoke about some of the miraculous events that we read in the Old Testament, some of the things that would be most difficult for us to believe Jesus spoke of them as if they were true. We're not going to look at all the references to scriptures because there'd simply be too many, but trust me when I say in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus spoke about Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David and Solomon, the Queen of Sheba, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Daniel, Jonah, and Zechariah. He spoke of all of those people. I love that he speaks of Adam and Eve. We find them in Genesis chapter 2, the very first people we see in the Bible. He speaks then also of Zechariah, the very last book of the Old Testament that was written. Jesus believed that these were real people. And not only that, he believed that there were some of the things that are most difficult for us to believe he referenced to as true. Jesus spoke about creation. He spoke about the flood. He spoke about Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife. He talked about Moses and the burning bush. He talked about manna coming down from heaven to feed people. He talked about the snake infestation and the, the bronze snake that was held up so that people could be saved. He spoke about Jonah being in the belly of a fish. And he spoke of the miracles of Elijah and Elisha. Jesus spoke about these stories in the Old Testament, thus saying to us, we can infer that he believed it, that this was authoritative to Jesus. Now, I suppose you could argue that Jesus didn't really believe these were true, but he thought that they were still useful for teaching. But I don't think that's true. If you look at the rest of the points that I'll make here today, Jesus believed in the authority of the Old Testament. And so should we. He believed it was historically accurate, real people, real events. Third reason that I'll propose today is that Jesus believed the Old Testament prophecies would actually be fulfilled. See, Jesus believed the Old Testament was the word of God and the prophecies that were made in the Old Testament, that they would be fulfilled. Even though he acknowledged that there were human authors, he believed that God was sovereignly writing all the prophecies and they would be accomplished. In fact, every last word would be accomplished. In Matthew chapter five, in Jesus' most famous sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the Old Testament but to fulfill it. it. We're gonna get to that, that's actually point number five, but I wanna draw your attention to to verse 18 where he said that, that not a little stroke of a pen will be forgotten. Everything's going to be accomplished and Jesus believed this with certainty. I'll just give you one example. He actually believed like all of the, the Jewish people at that time would have believed that there was supposed to be someone like Elijah that was supposed to come as a forerunner to the Messiah. And the disciples were actually confused about who that was because there was a prophecy and they wondered who could it have been. And in Matthew 11, Jesus takes his disciples aside and he explains to them who this was and that this prophecy was fulfilled. He says this in verse 10, this is the one who is written about. I will send my messenger ahead of you. I will prepare, prepare a way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever's at least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Here's the key verse, verse 13. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So what Jesus is thinking about trying to explain to his disciples who this forerunner was going to be, he quotes from Malachi. The promise that was in Malachi that Jesus believed would come true because he believed in the authority of Scripture and the prophecies that would happen. In fact, later in his life, he speaks about uh, to his disciples real bluntly about how other prophecies that will be fulfilled at the ultimate end of times before he comes back again. Luke 24 That's when the disciples had asked him questions about the end times. And here's what some of what he said. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. See, Jesus was answering the disciples' question about the end of times. First, he makes his own prophetic statement that the gospel will go to all nations. But then he goes back and he remembers the book of Daniel. And he goes back to Daniel. Again, here you see he believed that this book was actually Daniel's book. He says, this is the prophecy that Daniel gave. That there was going to be some sort of idolatry, this thing called the abomination of desolation, that that would be a key thing for them to believe before the end time comes. You see, Jesus believed All these scriptures would be fulfilled. Not the smallest letter, not even a pin stroke would be forgotten. Jesus believed in prophecy, which which is one of the reasons why I believe that the Old Testament is reliable, because Jesus did. Fourth reason that I'll submit to you is that Jesus actually submitted himself to the authority of the Old Testament. See, Jesus in his humanity submitted himself to the commands and the prophecies of the Old Testament himself. It was his authority. He lived under it. Let me just show you three ways which he lived under the authority of God's word. There's more, but let me just point out three for an example. One way Jesus lived under the authority of scripture is how he resisted temptation. In Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus being tempted by the devil three times, and each time Jesus responds, it is written. And three times he quotes from Deuteronomy, believing that the way you fight temptation is by accurately handling the word of God and believing what it says. In Luke chapter four, I'll just give one of the three temptations here. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. You have to believe Jesus in his flesh, in his humanity, he wanted bread. He was hungry. He was fasting. But what he wanted more was to do what God had called him to do, and God had called him to fast. And so when he's in this moment of temptation, what he does is his mind goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is speaking to all the Israelites, and he's telling them that, you know, back, back when we got this manna, this bread that came from heaven that we were able to eat every day, he says, you know, that was really what God was trying to teach you, and that was not just about bread but that you need to treat the word of God like that. That's what Jesus was remembering. He was remembering what Moses had told the people and that helped him in his temptation. He believed the word of God and resisted temptation with it. A second way that Jesus submitted himself to the authority of the Old Testament was how he let Jewish scripture actually give him purpose to his life. On one occasion in uh, Matthew chapter nine, we find this story of Jesus with a tax collector. As Jesus went on from there, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. So when Jesus was questioned about something, if he was doing was immoral or was against God's law, Jesus remembered the writings of the prophet Hosea. And he had that verse on the tip of his tongue. He knew that God desires mercy more than sacrifice. And he let the words of Hosea set the course of his life, that he was going to spend time with tax collectors and sinners because he believed Hosea's words. He lived by them. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. So I'm going to put myself around people that need God's mercy. He let it direct his life. Finally, just one more example of how Jesus himself submitted to God's word was by the way he actually looked at himself and actually fulfilled prophecy himself. Now, on the night that Jesus was being, going to be betrayed, he's off praying by himself, and then he comes back uh, to his disciples, and he says this in Luke 22. It is written, he was numbered among the transgressors, and I tell you, this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. And Jesus said, that's enough. We'll get back to the swords in a second. But I want you to see here that Jesus, while he was praying in the garden, he was saying to the father, Father, if there's any way that you can take this cup from me, if there's another way to go about this, please give me another way. But if you remember, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And then he comes back to his disciples. And the first thing off of his mouth is, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the most explicit, uh, exa- explicit prophecies about the Messiah dying to pay the penalty for our sins. And so Jesus is in the garden, and he's reading and thinking about Isaiah 53, and he comes back and he says this quote here, was numbered among the transgressors. That's how Jesus thought of the scripture. That's how he thought he had to be living in fulfillment of what the Messiah was supposed to do. And then, actually, when they come to arrest him, you get this passage in uh, Matthew 26. It says, Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword and drew it and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword in its place, Jesus said, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think I cannot call my Father, and he will at once, at my disposal, give more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say that it must happen this way? You see, Jesus could have called down angels. He could have got out of this and he's saying, you guys didn't take me by force. I'm submitting myself to the Father's will. Believing that he was going to live in accordance with the prophecies made about him, he submitted himself to the Old Testament to the point of dying. And then when he's on the cross, some of the last words out of his mouth are, Father, why have you forsaken me? And he's, again, he's quoting Psalm 22. Psalm 22, which is a messianic prophecy of what would happen on the cross. Do you see it, guys? Like Jesus loved and respected and lived under the authority of the Old Testament, even to the point of dying. The fifth and final reason, most important one for us, that I think we should trust the Old Testament is because Jesus believed that the Old Testament actually pointed to him. Jesus believed this because he knew the Old Testament, all these scriptures, like he just kind of read and hinted at there before, they all pointed to him. In John chapter 5, actually, uh, he's kind of earlier in his ministry, he says this to the group of people who are questioning his authority. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you can have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me and you refuse to come to have life. See, Jesus believed as he studied and he knew the Old Testament scriptures that they would ultimately lead to himself. That was the purpose of the Old Testament, was to point to Jesus. The religious leaders and the masses weren't the only ones who got confused by this, though. There was a time near Jesus' life, near the end of his life, he was a lot more explicit and direct with his followers, and he pulled his disciples aside in Luke chapter 18, and he said to them, he said this to the Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that's written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be delivered over the Gentiles. They'll mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They'll flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this, and its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. He told them as plainly as he could what was going to happen, and the prophecies had to be fulfilled, and he was willing to live under that, but they didn't get it. They were blind to it. But here's the most important verses I think we'll look at today. They were blind, they, that is, until the resurrected Jesus came to them again. and he explained it all to them, and then they finally understood, because the resurrection made all the difference. In Luke chapter 24, the key verses for today. He said to them, how foolish, this is a resurrected Jesus talking with his disciples, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Talk about an awesome Bible study. (laughs) You're there with Jesus and he's going to walk you all the way through Moses meaning the Torah. He's going to walk you through all the prophets and explain it all. You see, in week one of this series, we told you that the Bible was written because of a historic event. It was a resurrection of Jesus. Jesus did rise from the dead, and after he did, he got together with his disciples and he connected all the dots between the Old Testament and told them how he was the fulfillment of everything that was there. And when that happened, the New Testament began to be written Because after Jesus rose from the dead and those dots were connected, that's how I started writing letters to churches and letters to each other and letters of the gospel accounts. And that's where we got our New Testament. And one of those guys who wrote some of those books was the Apostle Peter. And Peter, near the end of his life, he's writing a letter to some of the churches around, and he sends them this letter. And he's trying to emphasize near the end of his life that the followers of Jesus should trust both the New and the Old Testament. In chapter one of uh, second Peter, he says this. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So basically Peter's saying, I know that my life is coming to its end. And so I want you to remember something. That's what he says here in the very next verse. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, whom I well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and we were with him on that sacred mountain. See, when it comes to this letter that he was writing, and when it comes to the other letters that were being circulated at that time, Peter's wanting to remind them that they're trustworthy. He's saying it himself like, we were eyewitnesses. We saw this. I want you guys to remember that. And not only that, when he's talking about this voice that he heard on the mountain, he's talking about this experience that he and two of the other disciples had at the mountain of transfiguration where they saw Jesus in his glory and they heard audibly, God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, the one I love. He's reminding them, these letters are trustworthy. We were eyewitnesses, but not only that. Now he's going to tell them to trust the Old Testament as well. In verse 19, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now he's talking about the reliability of the Old Testament. Having gone through that in-depth Bible study with Jesus, he was able to connect the dots and he's trying to connect the dots with others to let them see that Jesus was the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. And the prophecies that were made and everything that was there was inspired by God. And though humans wrote it, we trust that the spirit is what wrote through them. The Holy Spirit wrote through them because that's what Jesus believed. <laughs> Jesus trusted in the Old Testament that much and now his follower, Peter, having had the dots connected in that long Bible study he had with Jesus, he's urging believers to believe the New Testament letters that were being written and to trust in the Old Testament. So as I try to close now an application what I wanna to say to you is is what Peter said to these, these early Christians. As for the Old Testament, in that verse it said, "'You will do well to pay attention to it.'" That's what he said. You will do well to pay attention to it. So you should make time to read the Old Testament. You really should. You should see it as God's authoritative word in your life just as Jesus did and submit your life to it just like Jesus did when he was on earth. And the good news for us is, as with any good story, you, you, you understand the beginning and the middle in light of the end, and we've got the end. We've got the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We've got the New Testament writings that helped us connect the dots. We have the benefit of knowing that the resurrected Jesus, and he connected the dots for his disciples who've connected them for us. And so we should treat it as authoritative. So we would do well to pay attention to it. We should read the prophecies and, and see their fulfillment in Jesus and rejoice with that. We should read about the end-time prophecies that we're actually still waiting for and wait in eager expectation for the second coming. We can see the heart of God calling us to repentance through the, the bold messages of the prophets and understand where we have fallen short. And when we read the narratives of the Old Testament, we can look at the lives of people who made mistakes just like you and I do, and we can relate. And we can also relate to seeing how God intervened so many times so graciously protecting and providing for his people and giving them grace. And we can apply that to our lives as well. We can gain wisdom from reading the wisdom literature. And as you always hear me say, we can find a psalm for every season. We would do well to pay attention to the Old Testament. So I would say, get a study Bible, Uh, use an app, purchase a commentary, use the Bible project videos, grow in your relationship with Jesus by reading the books that he actually read and studied, that was probably what stood out to me the most this week in studying it, thinking, Jesus studied these. Like, I want to study these. I want to learn the books that Jesus loved and memorized and took to heart. We would do well to do that. And if you claim Jesus as your Lord and you you claim to love him, then you must cherish and love the things that he loves. And he loved the Old Testament. And he believed it. He lived by it. He fulfilled it. He loved it because it pointed to him, and we should love it too. It's true that some parts of the Old Testament are a little bit more challenging to understand, uh, but we can't let those parts keep us from reading the book that Jesus loved to read. It's trustworthy, and I hope God uses this sermon as well as this whole sermon series to strengthen your faith and your confidence in the B-I-B-L-E, in the Bible. Would you guys pray with me as we close in prayer? Father, pray that we would grow in our love for your word and we would cherish it just as Jesus did. When it comes to the Old Testament, God, help us find Jesus in it and take things to heart and believe in its authority. And we pray that you would help us connect the dots and draw us closer to our risen Lord Jesus as we read the Old Testament. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.